Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I am one of your three fantastic hosts, Illegal86. I almost called myself Mr. Illegal86. Are you feeling very formal and fancy today? This is an informal circle, but for I don't know why that just happened, but uh, Mr. Tectic is here. Hi. Mr. Tectic, would you like to say a few words? That's a fun fact. Tectic is actually his last name. Just on Twitter, just let us know what you think his first name is. And then we have Nerbomber. Nerbomber is her first name. Last name redacted. On my birth certificate. It's Emilio. Her last name is Emilio. <laughs> Emilio Tectic. Oh. Emilio. I kind of like Nerd Bomber Emilio. That's pretty good too. I'm a legal 86 and yeah, I'm, it's like Prince. It's like the artist formerly known as, and like, it's just one word or like Madonna. Uh, that's, that's what I think of myself. Uh, we're here in mid-October. Spooky season. I know immediately before this, we talk about this every year. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this once a year. How much Nerd Bomber loves candy corn and how much I don't like candy corn. Dude, it is so good. I was snacking on it right before this episode. It is delicious. You can make it like fangs and you're, if you tuck it underneath your lip and you can pretend you're Dracula, it is the elite fall candy. I don't agree. I, I, we don't need to spend time on this because I feel like we've talked about it before at length, maybe on a secret segment, maybe on a main episode. I don't remember. But it's like if they were like, what if wax was candy? That's like, to me, that's the premise of, of candy corn. Which, how would you know. know what wax tastes like, huh? Have you eaten wax? I've had candy corn. Get that's how I know. You're just over there munching on candles. I see you. I have never eaten a candle. I want to make that as clear as I can. I'm not sure that a candle would be any worse than candy corn. To be fair, there are a lot of fun flavors, like candle flavors. Well, they're not. Well, they're scents. They're not. You're not supposed to eat. They're candles. flavors. I feel like, I, I feel like the, the we gotta like get the lawyers involved here. Like, guys, guys, don't eat candles. All right, that's not. We're not a health podcast. We don't give a health advice, but that's like that's the baseline for us. Don't go. Don't go eating candles unless it smells really, really, really good. If you had to eat any candle, what candle would you eat? Like scent wise, vanilla. Yeah, probably vanilla or pumpkin spice. So you're going with the boring answer. You're going with like food. I want to, my favorite scent of all time, by the way, this is a fun fact about Illegal 86. Well, one fun fact is he sometimes refers to himself in the third person. But another fun fact is his favorite scent of all time is pine. Big pine fan. But you can, you can drink pine tea. I did not know that until this, uh, this second. I'm just, I'm just being made aware of that. Is it good? Have you had it? No. But I, but I, uh, <laughs> we'll see. I follow a lot of natural foraging social media pages Con- and things like that. But Nerd Bomber always says, hey, st- don't eat that. Oh, so Right. Around the holidays, maybe, uh, I'll get my hands on some pine tea and I'll give it a try. Why on the air uh, if it's not too hot? We're not talking about tea today, nor are we talking about candy corn. We, we got that out of the way. We have other stuff to get to. The big deal. I would say the biggest deal in the nerd world in the last week, probably the Super Mario Brothers yeah, yeah. movie trailer, which we will that's get to, of course. That's not what he sounds like anymore. It's me, Mario. We're going to talk about that. Obviously, that's like one of the main th- conversational thrusts that have that we've seen on the internet in the last week. But I mean, we've we've joined the conversation. It's just part. Of, it's just what we do here. We're going to be talking about a new Christmas movie coming out starring Sheriff Hopper that I'm pretty excited about, and we're going to be talking about essentially a attempt. I'm going to call it an attempted reinvigoration of one of my favorite video game franchises of yore. Uh, we're going to talk about yours today, guys. But I think we should lead off with Super Mario Brothers. Of course, there was, I, I believe there was a like Nintendo Direct last week that was basically just like, here's what the movie is. Like, here's the trailer. This is Universal Pictures, I believe Illumination Studios also involved in this. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a beefy trailer. It's a two and a half minute trailer. It's funny. 
you know, for for all the talk about Chris Pratt doing his Mario voice, which, as it turns out, it, it sounds a lot like Chris Pratt. Yeah, there was a number of interviews where he was quoted saying, oh, we're working on something special with the voice. Don't you worry. Right. It's going to be astounding. The thing, the, thing I, the point I wanted to make, though, is like everyone's talking about that aspect, and I think rightfully so. He has like one line in this trailer. Like, because I, I, my situation was... I watched the trailer a couple of days after it first came out. So I had already been exposed to all of the discourse about like, he's not doing any sort of accent or voice at all. It's like, he's not even trying. Well, there's two main things that came out of it. And the other one is that Jack Black absolutely crushed it as Bowser. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Definitely. And yeah, he crushed his Bowser. And like the, the thing that maybe, maybe you were going to get to and I cut you off is like when it first Bowser is the first person to speak in the trailer, if I remember correctly, I had forgotten the casting announcements that when they first came out, I didn't know at first immediately that it was Jack Black. Because Jack Black puts his whole personality into everything that he does. He is we don't the, the world doesn't deserve I'm going to call him a hero. He's the hero we don't deserve. Well, I would say, though, it was he wasn't just the only good thing. I think for me, what made the Mario voice reveal so disappointing was not only the amazing Bowser voice that Jack Black delivered, but also Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, I felt was like perfect. Yeah, and they even they put sort of a, yes. a high-pitchedness on t- to it as well. I don't know if that was post or... Or he did it? I'm going to say that he did it. And I'm going to say that Jack Black did what he did, too. Because, like I said, it didn't sound like Jack Black at first. And you know what they were doing, guys? They were acting. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's. I, I think it is, like, especially when you juxtapose that with what Chris Pratt was doing, which was, I'm Chris Pratt, and I'm going to read some... Like, don't get me wrong. I like Chris Pratt, okay? I don't have... Well, these days, I have some issues with him. But, like, the Andy Dwyer days of Chris Pratt were amazing. Uh, I think he's very talented. He's too cool for school now. Yeah, he's definitely... There's there's an aspect of it that is definitely like image preservation. But like, I guess I, I want to I take this from a dollars and cents perspective, okay? Let's say you're universal. Let's say you're, you're trying to figure out who's going to be Mario. I'm sure there's a reason to not have it be Charles Martinet, the guy who originally does Mario. Tell, tell me what that is. This is an unpopular opinion. Hollywood casting was well, the no. reason. The unpopular opinion here is I don't think you could listen to Charles Martinet for an entire hour and a half to two hour movie. I think that would get old really quickly. So I get the want to find a more normalized voice. Like, don't get me wrong. Charles Martinet, iconic. Like everybody, at least in our generation, knows that as the Mario voice. But if you even go before Charles Martinet, there were other renditions of Mario. There were like Mario animated movies. There is the live action movie. There are other renditions of Mario where he has a more normalized voice. Fair. But like I get like, could you really listen to It's a Me for an hour and a half? I don't think I could. Like it would just be annoying. But there's an in-between and I don't, at least from this line, and maybe we're not giving enough benefit of the doubt here. But from that single line first impression, it doesn't seem like Chris Pratt found the middle ground. He no. sounds like himself. What I would say, so I, I th- the point you make about like maybe Charles Martinet would be too much. Like I get that. And the other thing they want to do is probably distance themselves from, you don't want to just be watching a video game necessarily, right? However, there are various filmmaking ways to limit the amount of times that Mario talks. And like I, I get that he is going to be the main protagonist of this movie, obviously. But I just, to me, the voice is like you can't separate it from the character enough to 
have this be what you come up with and for it to work. Well, you could do even some stuff in post to give it a little bit more of a, you know, fun voice, not just cool Chris Pratt. Well, I think that's the problem is that it would be one thing if you separated the voice from your stereotypical Mario voice, but he literally sounds like Chris Pratt. And because Chris Pratt has been thrown at us in so many different franchises over the last five, 10 years, like, you know, that's Chris Pratt. You can't suspend disbelief. Well, you're, like if you've seen any Chris Pratt movie, you're like, oh, hey, that's Chris Pratt. Which you probably have, because like you said, he's he, he's been thrust upon us. And like, I think there are various video game characters that you could have Chris Pratt do the voice for and it would be better than this. Like, but it just, I don't know what the thought process was behind this and thinking that people weren't going to, because I, I will say, I think the broad consensus is this is, why would you do that? Like, there's no one saying, like, this was a good creative choice. I don't think there's any defense for it. And what makes it all the more saddening and dissatisfying is, I think, otherwise, this looks great. Yeah, it does look... It looks really good. Yeah, we've mentioned Jack Black, Key, Michael Key, but, like, from a visual perspective, I think it looks really good. I think there's plenty they can do to make a movie out of this, you know? It just... I don't know how... And, like, even from a marketing perspective, this reveal, I think, was a very damaging blow. To like, pe- people probably are going to see this trailer and say, that's ridiculous. Everyone's that saying, we did it with Sonic, dumb. we could do it again. Yeah, honestly, I, well, maybe. maybe. Like, I almost wonder if they know it would cause an uproar. Because like, like I said, if you listen to the second line that Mario delivers in this trailer, it does sound a little bit more, I guess, nuanced. Like Brook- Brooklyn? Yeah. There's like, there's a little something to it. So like, maybe... But- they just wanted to drum up, like they literally picked the worst line that Chris Pratt delivered. I was like, this is the one we're going to use. This is going to be great. There's set, I don't know. Like, there's. I guess you want to set expectations low, but like, I don't know if you want to set them that low because like people are just going to see that and say, all right, well, this is my exit. I'm not going to see this now. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't think know. though that Chris Pratt's voice is enough to make people exit this movie. Like, if you're a Nintendo fan in any capacity, you're going to see this. It doesn't matter how annoying the voice is. You're going to see this if just to complain about it. Uh, yeah, I, mean, that's, I guess that's the other thing. I don't like... I, I question potentially to its credit, like the Mario franchise, I think, sits in an interesting place here because Mario games are... I don't want to call them surface because they're not surface, but like, I don't know. Even if you're a diehard fan of Mario, I don't know what besides the voice you could find to complain about. There's not a lot of deep lore that they can get wrong. Like, to, to, honestly, part of it, like, to me, it seems like that plays an important role in the success of this movie is it's supposed to just be a crowd pleaser that literally pleases everyone because how could it not? Well, here, here's the thing that you guys don't know. In the story, he actually gets hit in the throat with a turtle shell, and that's what makes his voice that way. He actually sounds like Chris Pratt originally. I'm making this up. This is 100%. It's unlikely. <laughs> but can you imagine if they I, did I just, that? That'd be amazing. They should do that. That's how they fix this. Turtle shell to the throat. <laughs> I... I want to be on board with this. I don't know how likely it is that I see it in theaters. I also, like, for what it's worth, I, I would consider myself a casual Mario fan. Like, I'm not playing all the Mario games when they come out. I just, yeah, I don't know. Also, no sign of Peach in this trailer, if I remember correctly, which was interesting. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of characters. Yeah, it's Anya Taylor-Joy, though, and I'm sure she's going to play a big part. I feel like you don't get that big of a, a cast member and just, like, fridge them for most of the movie. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. That, and that's a good point, too. How are they going to manage that character? A character who, in the games, is typically not seen very much. 
but I do think they should have a vested interest in the movie being not that way. Donkey Kong is in this movie, correct? I really hope yeah, there's... Yeah, Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong. Yeah, I hope there's like a Donkey Kong and Princess Peach subplot, almost like a Shrek adventure where they shouldn't like each other, but then they do. But I know that's like the antithesis of like the entire franchise. Speaking, I'm glad you mentioned Donkey Kong. I think that one can either be really, really great or really, really bad. Yeah, that's another one where if he comes out and sounds just like Seth Rogen, it's going to be like, oh, okay. See, I don't know, though. But all, yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I, it's, for me, it's one of those I have to see it to know. And until I don't, I'm like, it's like quantum physics. It's either good or bad. And I don't know until I look at it. Well, and it's and the reason why I'm not willing to pass immediate judgment on it is you don't hear Donkey Kong talk ever. Like, any, the most you hear out of him in a game is like a very non-committal, like, or like a grunt. You know, like, I, I actually could see Seth, Seth Rogen being very good in that role. It's just like, again, that that's, it's, there's like, there's roles like that. And even like, like Link. I don't know. How, how often does Link talk? I'm just thinking of like iconic video game just, characters. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, a lot of the Nintendo games, there's not voice acting. It's usually, you get like little noise sound bites, but for the most part, it's a lot of subtitles and you're reading. But like it just it just feels like cuz I mean Mario there's there's not a lot of talking either on his part but like it just seems easier to fill in blanks for characters like Donkey Kong than than Mario. The the other thing I don't understand is Charles Martinet is listed in the cast for this movie. Do we I know think, what he's doing? I think they said he was going to have some sort of like small cameo. But see that uh, that confuses me again. Like I guess I mean Mario isn't just like his regular speaking voice. So he's going to be something else like very inconspicuous. I guess. But like, I I would hope they're not like, oh, he's some villager somewhere. And then you hear him talking and you're like, oh, that's the real Mario. Like, that'd be so weird. Hopefully they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. But it's interesting. He's going to be the penguin know. that he drops off the cliff because we know the penguins are in it. Right. April 7th, 2023 for this movie. So we have a while. I'm sure we're going to get at least one more trailer. Probably two. Drop your thoughts on twitter in the comments wherever you want at ow86 is my handle at ow nerdbomber at ow tactic and our main show account at online warriors one what are your thoughts on chris pratt as mario what are your thoughts on the super mario brothers movie and tell us why you think jack let black it, let us awesome. know right shout out to jack black you're the bomb.com let's move on let's stick with video games and let me get on to my my rant box can I, can, I, can I do that briefly? So Need for Speed Unbound. This is a game that just announced and is supposed to, and I'm quoting from Engadget now, revive the racing series on December 2nd. So this is this is soon. This is coming out. This is coming out for the holiday, holiday season. I will say the trailer, at least they're doing something interesting. That is the single most positive thing I could say about this trailer. They're doing something interesting from a visual perspective in particular with like the, what I will call the uh, Into the Spider-Verse graphical effect. Yeah, I really did like the new art direction here. I feel like we have a lot of hyper-realistic racing games, and I think that actually turns me off of the racing genre in general because I'm not playing a racing game to try to mimic me driving in real life. And I know some people do, and that's totally fine if you do, but I already don't like my like 40-minute commute every day in my car. I don't want to drive a real car and like have a super realistic driving experience. I want to like street race and think that I'm a badass and win cars from other people. And I think the art style and moving away from that hyper-realistic visual style is really good in bringing back that arcade feel that a lot of driving games are missing lately. 
Well, not only what you said with the hyper-realistic, but the controls in games like Forza are just, you can't whip turns like you can in, in the Need for Speed franchise. You literally have to decelerate, take it, keep a sp- certain radius, and, and monitor all of those things, such as like conditions and weather. And nah, I don't want that. I just want whip and turns. I want little neon wings to pop up next to my car. See, I... <laughs> I don't I don't want that. That does seem a little distracting, I will say. I think this is going a bridge too far. Cause I, I agree with everything you're saying. I need for speed should not try to be Forza. And I don't I don't think it is uh, I think it did briefly for a time, but I don't think they should be trying to do that. I also do not think they should be doing fully arcadey stuff. The glory days of Need for Speed were like hot pursuit, underground two, even underground to an extent. The, the original first most, most wanted. wanted. And these games maintained some realism. The cars looked like real cars. You were driving in a real environment. The driving was vaguely arcadey, but it wasn't... It was still driving, for lack of a better term. What they did, I believe it was after... They were bought by EA. Well, they, were, they were always EA. Someone bought them. I can't even remember who it was. It might have been the Burnout people, because for a while, they basically turned it into Burnout, which and it was terrible. They made a new Hot Pursuit that was god-awful. A new Most Wanted that was also not good. A new Most Wanted that was awful. They just made Heat, which I didn't hear about. Like, it's just been... I, I can't even believe how much this franchise does not know how to be good again. Like, just go back to the four games that ever... I've not heard a single person say, I did not like the first Most Wanted, or I did not like Underground 2. Just go back and do that again. See, this but should not this, be hard. This kind of gave me those original, like, Most Wanted vibes. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, yeah, okay, some of the graffiti aspect on the cars may be a little bit too far. I wonder if you'll be able to turn those off. But I mean, the cars are actually real cars. It looks like you'll still be able to customize your car. The art style will just be a little bit more arcadey, which if you go back to that PlayStation 2 era, like the cars looked realistic for PlayStation 2 graphics, but like they weren't like what you get on yeah. a Forza. And I think this is kind of going back to when you get like cell shaded graphics and stuff, I feel like that stands the test of time better and it's a little bit more timeless. And I think that harkens back to that, the PlayStation 2 era. You might've played it on GameCube. I don't remember what you I had. did. I was a GameCube guy. But like, I feel like it, the GameCube. it harkens back to that era a little bit. Look, it's definitely closer than recent things that Need for Speed has tried to do. Like it's, it's closer than those things. Or I think it will be. I guess what this is all leading to me saying is like, at this point, after this many years, I have no faith in the people who are making Need for Speed to do it right ever again. So I have a question for both of you. What would sure. be in your perfect Need for Speed game? I thought this looked great. I think Big the, time the main chases. thing that I need to not be in there is Illegal's negativity. Wow. You can't have that. No, it's gonna, that's always going to be there. So most wanted. And, and one thing, if you want me, Need for Speed, if you want me back, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you're listening to this right now and you're like, this guy sucks. But if you ever wanted me back, the number one thing, the best thing about the Most Wanted games. Did you did you play the first Most Wanted? Yeah, I literally rebought Most Wanted when I was in college for like the Xbox 360 or something like that because they like ported it to the next gen and I replayed it. I loved the like ranking system when you had to work your way up the, the ladder. The blacklist was yes. great. Yeah, the, bla- the so blacklist was good. The biggest stroke of genius, which honestly, I'm not even sure that I've seen it since that. They, they might have done it in Undercover, which was the one like immediately after it. But I don't think they've ever done it since. I could be wrong. Someone correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong. The like, I don't want to call them destructible environments, but they, they called them pursuit breakers in the game. Essentially, if you were like, if you were driving and the cops were on your tail, and there's that really cool music playing 
and you were like trying to escape and you were like you're driving by a donut shop oh it yeah like a, i was just a gigantic say donut, donut on the roof you could okay so you would drive on you would hit the supports on the roof the roof would come down the donut would roll off and it would kill the cop cars it was the co- it was the coolest thing ever it was the coolest thing ever they had these they had like the the cop challenges too where it wasn't just like escape from the cops there was like per, they called them pursuit milestones i believe where it was like have a cop chase where you cause two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of property damage and like 14 year old me was like okay this is great and i would do it and i had the greatest time and like even like i can't remember what the last need for speed game i played was but there was like there was a police presence in it but it was so watered down and so it was basically like you would do a race and then like certain races they'd be like oh the cop showed up during the race so now you're racing and there's cops there then the race would end and you would get away from the cops in like two seconds and that was it and it sucked and it made me so sad and like i just i think for me the police presence and like the mechanics of how that's managed in the game are by far the most important thing the runner-up most important thing you're gonna notice the le- thing i care the least about in need for speed by the way is the racing which may be not coincidental because i like i don't play forza See, or anything like that the thing that needs to be the most important in my opinion is two of things it's the car availability and customization customization that was my, my second thing was going to be car customization and the soundtrack, the soundtrack yes also true yeah the cops chases i could give two what's like underground had no cop chases and it was phenomenal underground two had you could that was i don't maybe in underground you could do this too but in underground two remember that was when they went like hog wild with it and they were like you can get the like the nos like after spray that was like colored you could get the, the underglow on your car you could get the hydraulics Oh, oh my gosh i was i would spend so much time customizing my car listening to like old school snoop dog in the soundtrack oh this this franchise has fallen so hard so far this just is making me sad just talking about i feel like you could still customize your car i think the biggest thing for me and this probably flies in the face of what most people want out of a racing game but i think why i always go back to need for speed most wanted the og one is I like a good story. And I know they've tried to put stories in other games, but there was nothing more compelling than having tasks and a reason to work your way through a list of people that you needed to race. I remember I tried playing Forza Horizon whichever the latest one was when that came out and Mm -hmm. it was very beautiful very technically sound even had a decent banging soundtrack but it felt like i was just driving around i had no reason i had no reason to stay in the game and i know part of it was like they wanted to introduce more of a social aspect and you're supposed to be self-motivated to beat people's records but no i want to like i remember distinctly one of my favorite memories on my playstation 2 and I have this really like embarrassing picture of myself that I think my sister took. And I had a racing wheel. Like my parents bought me the racing wheel with the the pedal and everything to go with the game because I got it for Christmas. And I just remember being so stoked because after every race, as you worked your way through the blacklist, you got a chance to like win their car. And I would the get pink so, slips. Yes, you could get their pink slip. Yeah. And I noticed in this trailer that was an aspect the guy was like if you beat me you can have my car and like that is the shit that like i'm gonna want to collect all the cars i don't know that's yeah. that's what gets me i don't know here we go the end the, the blacklist like the blacklist races you would do a blacklist race and then you would basically flip over a, like there's like six tiles and you yep. would flip over two of the tiles and you would get like cash bonuses or like pink slips or and it was like again it was like the the greatest thing 
and it wasn't hard it wouldn't be hard for them to execute it again and like i'm glad you brought up the story too because like i do think like there are levels of story that are too far like after after most wanted a couple games after there was one called the run which was not particularly good and that was i think that that was the last one i played end to end because i was like all right this this series doesn't know what it is anymore and it was very story driven i think to a fault but like what most wanted did was well first of all there are there are some things that the earlier Need for Speed games did that they might still do that were like, all right, here's the beginning of the game. Typically, the the way it goes is you've been wronged in some way. I think in Most Wanted, I think you like got sold out to the cops or something. I don't remember. Yeah, what it I was. think so. But but then they're like, here, okay, you need to work your way back up, and you have the hottest chick in the world to help you. That was like a, the staple of I remember Underground Two and Most Wanted. They were like, here is insert supermodel person. And they most wanted had like live action cutscenes in that game, which was like pretty cool. I feel like they just, man, it just makes me sad talking about this. Like how it's just sweaty too. Jeez. I feel like it's never going to be that good again. And why? And for what? You know, but this like low key has my hopes up. It's possible. I'm open to it. In spite of all the all the just unbridled negative energy I'm putting out right now, I'm open to it. I just, I'm so skeptical. I don't know. Need for Speed Unbound. Prove me wrong. December 2nd. Get my hopes up. I I feel like to really get into this, I need a racing wheel. That's my biggest thing. I don't know. I don't know how people play these games without a racing wheel. And I'm biased because my first exposure besides like going to an arcade was playing a game with a racing wheel and i don't think i've ever had as much fun since you just posted a photo of you with the racing wheel in our we have a discord chat i don't know if this is ever going to see the public eye but in case no. it doesn't this is horrifying can we, can we talk about this for a second you you this is i'm scared of you looking at this photo i was You're very intense i was out to get those very intense left. i mean we're talking gritted teeth hunched shoulders two hands of white knuckle in that wheel the pedal is out of frame, but I assume it's all the way down. It's to the just metal. Just based on it. Every, everything else about your body language right now suggests that you're just, you're flooring it. So I hope you won that race. <laughs> I would think you did just based on the sheer physical determination that I'm, I'm observing in this photo. I was also very stylish. Fun fact. I'm wearing like penguin pants. They're bright red. I still have those penguin pants. Backwards orange hat. A t-shirt that says 2006 on it in very big letters. I assume it's from like a, a school field trip or something. <laughs> that, that also gives you a sense of the time frame of this photo. It's, it's, it's a great shot. In any case, this comes out December 2nd. Need for Speed Unbound featuring ASAP Rocky, by the way. I don't think we mentioned him this whole time, but they, they, they subbed out a random hot chick for ASAP Rocky. So if, that's, if that trade does it for you, check it out, I guess. We'll see. We're going to go to break and come back to talk about Violent Night. But before we do that, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, it's been a journey, my friend. We've come a long way. Uh, you and I, and I guess Nerd Bomber technically have been here too. Pleasure having you as a producer. Steven's been a producer with us for quite a while. As a result, he gets input into the weekly game segment on the show. He gets the occasional guest spot, as well as, of course, monthly access to the secret segment and the vlog. He also gets this producer shout out every episode. You want to be a knight like Steven. If you can't quite become noble enough to be a knight, there's also a squire level of Patreon support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there is a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for more of the details on any and all of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Check us out there. Say hi to Steven. Say hi to us. Consider helping us keep this thing going. Thanks again to Steven. We'll be right back to talk about Violent Night. 
I'm Ryan Fonzie. This is Cameron Hagee. My name is Tony Giggles. And we're three dudes who love The Legend of Zelda and love talking about The Legend of Zelda. And if you are a Zelda fan as much as we are, then come on down and listen to your heart's content. We have a podcast that we'd like to share with you. It's called A for No, B for Yes. We cover the Legend of Zelda series, different games chapter by chapter, and we have all kinds of theories about what we see and what we've experienced in the game. Do you go through Wikipedia and look up stuff based on the things you see in the game to create theories to how it could link to other things in the world that we actually live in and not the Zelda one that was the one that was created by the people that are in the world that we actually live in right now? Because if you don't, then you should watch this because we do. Did you guys get all that? If not, oh, you didn't. Okay. So we are A for no people. All right, I'll stop. All right. So Violent Night is a movie, first of all. This trailer, this is coming out December 2nd. Same, Actually, the same day that a Need for Speed is coming out. So if you're, it could be a good day for someone or everyone. Who knows? If you're a fan of David Harbour, and by that I mean Sheriff Hopper, this seems like one you might want to roll out of bed for. Imagine a Christmas movie. Well, it's, it's tough because I want to say imagine an action Christmas movie, but that already exists. It's called Die Hard. But imagine a Die Hard that's even Christmas year. Throwing out hot takes. You pretty much get this. This is John Wick. This is Die Hard mixed with tim allen's the santa claus that's the vibe that i'm getting which is a good vibe i thought before seeing the trailer i thought this was just gonna be absolutely dumb and then i watched the trailer and i was like i I gotta see this i guess i gotta see this there's a lot of you, you and you can tell i think where the front end development happened for this movie was in things like the title violent night is a pun of course a play on silent night the poster for the movie says you better watch out which is something that santa says and it's also very menacing and then of course there would be seasons beatings like they probably sat in a conference room and were like let's think of like actiony christmas things to say pretty much all of them made it into this movie we're gonna deck the halls yeah i'm sure that'll come at some point i mean there's a lot going on in this trailer i also want to shout out michael pena as a villain I think that... I thought that was a fantastic choice. John Leguizamo is who it was. Yeah, Luigi. My apologies to John Leguizamo and Michael Pena. He played the live-action Luigi. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Also, Beverly D'Angelo. Now, this was... I actually did not catch this when I first watched the trailer, but my wife watched it, and she said, that's the wife from Christmas Vacation. And I was like, no way. And it was. She's in the the trailer for like one second, which is why I missed it. But the wife from Christmas Vacation is in this movie. So they're just going all Christmas and all action on it. And I'm very on board. Tectic, to provide some context, changed his topic to this after watching the trailer. So I want his thoughts as well. But Nerd Bomber, give me some hot takes or cold takes. So everybody tries to tell me that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I think it is just an action movie that takes place at Christmas. This movie, on the other hand, is a gosh darn it's, Christmas it, movie. Yeah. This is it's like, leaving no doubt. Yeah, this is like what Die Hard wanted to be. This is a Christmas movie that takes place on action. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Like for what it's worth, I don't the Chris the, is Die Hard a Christmas movie. The reason everyone is, asks yes. the question every year, it's I think it's a fascinating question because a lot of people make the argument that like it just happens to take place on Christmas. There are very many Christmas movies that you could say that about. Like uh, one example, one of my favorite one of my favorite movies, actually probably my favorite movie of all time. It's a Wonderful Life. 
when you look at the amount of that movie that takes place on Christmas, it's like 2%. It's like the last 30 minutes take place on Christmas. The definition of Christmas movies are, it has nothing to do with the movie it's, uh, itself. It has everything to do with, does your family watch it on the holidays? And if the, if they do, then it's a Christmas movie. I mean, for example, here's a Christmas movie that's a Halloween movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. No, sorry. It's, it's, a, it's, movie. it's a Halloween movie, I mean, but it has it's about Christmas. Do you see? My point is that's a Halloween movie, even though it has Christmas in the title. It's a special case because that movie, I feel like, is designed to be confusing from a holiday perspective. <laughs> uh, and also, I've not seen that movie, full disclosure, so I don't really have a horse really? in the race. But I think you make a good point about a Christmas movie is a movie that you watch around the holidays. Another example, I feel like, in this category... One of my most guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure movies, I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before, is Love Actually. That movie is... I, like, that's not a Christmas movie either. That's just a rom-com that see, happens to take place at Christmas. But home I don't where know. You make I think it. it's a, it's, I think it's a Christmas movie. That movie... I think there's literally a Christmas concert at the end of that movie. There is. Like it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's a, it's a very nuanced question. This movie does not fall into that category. This movie is clearly a Christmas movie, and it would be weird to watch this movie in like June wouldn't make any sense i think that's another kind of foil you could put on this or like a like a lens you could view this through is like would you watch die hard in june i think the answer to that question is yes unequivocally would you watch love actually in june yes you watch love actually whenever you're in the mood for a rom-com i'm less sure about that one whenever i'm in the mood for a rom-com i watch when harry met sally it's a great movie when would you watch it's a wonderful life in june no, that, that's that Christmas one is over. definitely no. Or that's Christmas only. Yeah. Nope. That is that is Christmas over, that movie. <laughs> it's it's fully yeah. Christmas. An overabundance of Christmas coming from that movie. Violent Night, definitely Christmas movie. Tactic, your any further thoughts on this? I want to say my my initial thoughts. From the trailer, the way they did this where they balanced out, you know, him using weapons, him using magic. I think this was done really elegantly, where it's not too much one or the other, where you can still maintain that, hey, this is a an action movie as opposed to like make-believe magic and stuff like that. So I think they balanced it really well. And that's what particularly excites me about it because one might think Santa would just come in and just whoosh them away. But he's like, nah, you know what? I'm going to pick up some grenades and shove it in his pants. See what happens. Great job. I would also, I would go so far as to say David Harbour, the ideal choice, probably the only choice for this. I, I can't think of anyone else, at least not off the top of my head, who would be able to pull this off i'm excited to see if they recruit anyone else like you know someone gets a whiff that he's in trouble down at the north pole and all of a sudden mrs claus comes kicking the door down with a with an rpg who is mrs claus quit talking Catherine zeta sure i nominate Catherine zeta for that i think she could do it great actress yeah december 2nd it's gonna be a good time to to, to be here on the planet i guess so be on the lookout for that we're gonna move into what are you up to wednesday and i don't know who i started with last week i'm gonna go ahead we'll just i'm, just, I'm gonna go watch two movies i want to make mention of both of them i want to mention hocus pocus 2 although i really just want to mention it in passing because we are planning to do an extended discussion of that i believe for the secret segment so hint hint wink wink we'll be talking about that further elsewhere but I did see it. And man, the one thing I, I, I'm not going to mention this in the secret segment, but I just want to shout out how bad Disney Plus is as an app, as a streaming app. All streaming apps are bad. First of all, let's just get that out of the way. I think Disney Plus has to be among the worst. But for what reason? Like, 
loading issues or navigation, issues, like UI. A lot of lag. We couldn't figure out how to turn the captions on first. It just there's just all kinds of messes on that app. I think I have a theory, which is that because Hocus Pocus 2, by the way, is the most streamed premiere on Disney Plus ever, which good for them. I think so many people were watching it. They were dragging me down. But who knows? The worst streaming experience by far to the point that it actually, I think it might have made the movie worse to us watching it. I don't typically have problems with Hulu, but for whatever reason, when we watched Hellraiser on Hulu, it was like buffering every minute. It was a dreadful experience. The movie, pretty good. Have you considered it's your internet? It's not the internet. It's definitely not the internet. It might be the internet, but I, I think it's unlikely. See, because we watched, we watched Hocus Pocus day one, night one even, and nothing. Well, they call, they called in the backup servers for that. That's my theory. In any case, we'll talk about Hocus Pocus 2 at length in other circles. But I want to talk about Hellraiser because I have not seen the original Hellraiser. So I kind of went into this as a remake. I, as far as I understand it, it's a remake of a movie that came out in 1987. What you know from Hellraiser is the pinhead guy. You, you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I remember the pinhead guy from when I was a kid. I was like, that pinhead guy is scary. Well, I watched the movie with the pinhead and it's actually in the remake it's a pinhead lady it was scary it was very i liked the amount that i was scared it was also very gory there were parts of the and i think this is getting worse as i age i don't like blood typically but man like there's like watching that movie and also watching the latest episode i think it was the latest episode of the rings of power the lord of the rings show there's a lot of gore going on 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 my tv right now and i literally have to like look away from the tv for for like pretty decently long sequences of, of certain things because they're just people's skins getting peeled off man it's not right good movie though i was scared pretty consistently the one thing i will say about it is the protagonist was awful but that's that's kind of just a thing in horror movies seems like all protagonists just make a lot of bad choices and just are generally unrelatable and this movie kind of fit in with that mold but it was all in all a good experience. I would recommend it. If you're a horror movie fan, you could do a lot worse because I've seen a lot worse. So I will turn it over to my guy, Tectic, to take us through a week in the life. So I got a couple different updates. Uh, the first one is we finally watched Thor Love and Thunder. and Natalie Portman, smash. Agreed. Wow. Especially when Intense. she when she goes full blonde. Whew. Whew. All right. You guys need to relax. <laughs> Never. I still think Ragnarok is the best Thor, but this one was very good. It was entertaining. We were finally able to see the goats that everyone hyped up about, so that was good. And it was just, you know, standard Marvel, fun, jokey Disney ride. I will say, I think they made Thor more of a buffoon than I remember him being even in Ragnarok, and maybe that's wrong. Well, Ragnarok was the most balanced one, and there's actually, like extensive reviews on like the tough guyness versus the open with the feelings versus the jokiness and the balance they do and ragnarok was peak and everything else just has not matched i do like and without going into spoilers i know the movie's been out since the summer but i still don't want to spoil because i feel like you got to give it at least like a year i think before you spoil something but i did like the ending and i like the where it might be heading the whole like setup of that I have not seen Love and Thunder yet. Well, you should, because Natalie Portman is hot. I'm so indifferent. If I want to <laughs> see hot Natalie Portman, I will watch Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. No, but I mean, Oscar. it was it was a fun movie, though. You should see it. All joking aside, like I think, depending on what they do in the future, 
there's probably some things that you'll need to know coming out of that movie too so i wouldn't sleep on it well i'm i'm sleeping on a lot of things that i'm sure i'm not i don't know everything that i need to know so i don't know i might i might get to it i i'm inclined to without having seen it agree with tactic that i think ragnarok they just man they really did something special with ragnarok in terms of they nailed it like you said the kind of the balance of humor and action was particularly good and i have a hard time imagining love and thunder approaching that but i mean if you guys say it was good i'm, I'm sure i'm sure it was good was it better than multiverse of madness because you guys saw multiverse of madness right we did i my so, opinion i liked thor i think a little bit better yeah i i agree with that and and what's interesting is i thought that had campy parts at the end this one had overly campy parts in the beginning so i mean they still haven't distance themselves away from the too corny level uh you know marvel as a whole but i mean hopefully it gets better i mean my biggest thing why i liked one versus the other and if you haven't seen multiverse of madness close your ear holes i felt like that was a retread of a story we kind of already saw whereas thor at least gave me something new another i don't want to never mind i'll stop there but it was a new story you know comparing love and thunder to multiverse of madness i'm sure in various ways is comparing apples to oranges but i just for me multiverse of madness was a bit of a disappointment and so it's it's just hard for me to want back in right now but you should watch she hulk i I know i keep saying like it's getting better it's not gonna happen it's 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 never gonna happen you just absolutely have to i think you might have to honestly i think it's probably leading up to some things where you're gonna need to watch it as with any mcu anything at these points it's not even good for the superhero aspect it's just kind of funny it's good it like it's very sitcom-y you had even said if they focus more on the lawyer side of things i will probably watch it well you know what they're doing focusing more on the lawyer side of things and you know what you're not doing watching that's not what i said it's not what i said man i said we're gonna have to roll back the tapes i said exactly what it sounds like they're not doing because you just just described it as a sitcom (laughs) i said i wanted them to take it seriously and it sounds like they're not. <laughs> I don't know. Different strokes for different folks. I know she's doing very well right now. What was that court show? Night Court? Where it was like Night Court. Well, it was basically I know the like theme song, though. a funny rendition and funny take on law and a court scene. That's basically what like this is the night court of MCU. Yeah, I guess I just don't know if I want that. Oh look, I'm um I need a little more time away from Marvel. I think that's what I'm what this is all leading up to me saying is just I need to I need to continue taking the beat that I'm taking because they exhausted me. But glad to hear it was good. Love and Thunder, that is. And She-Hulk. And then the other thing that I've been up to really kind of feverishly is ever since the weather got cold, I went full into working on various content for various different things and and putting up videos. and, And so that's back on full blast with the cold weather. So I'm really excited about that. Was that vague on purpose? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll see the content as it comes out, but I don't want to sign myself up for something in case I get tired of a project. There are cool Halloween DIY videos out there, though. Good to know. Nerdbomber, what do you have? All right, so I finally started playing The Last of Us. Oh, right. You're going to talk about this. Okay. I am. Okay, sorry. I'm being quiet. Go ahead. I think I'm about halfway through. I'm not entirely sure, but I, I feel like I'm about halfway through. Tactics said I'm about halfway through. What city are you in? Do you know? I'm in a sewer. You're in a sewer. I'm in a sewer. I just went over the bridge and now I am in a sewer. Well, not over the bridge, but I just went in the water and then I'm in a sewer now. I don't know if my memory must not be what it used to be. With the brothers. Anyways, with the brothers. Okay, that helps me. Okay. And? Am I about halfway through? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) That was the whole point of me explaining where I was. (laughs) 
I kind of remember the part. You're in the thick of it, which is a very vague, but I don't know. But how how are you liking it so far? All right. So question. I have to say initially, like I'm moving through this, I think very slowly. I do not like scary things. And while you're correct in that there's not like a ton of jump scares, it's still like it's very tense and you have to extremely tense. You have to move slowly and methodically. And there was an area of the game, too, where I turned on a generator and there was kind of a jump scare because all of a sudden there were clickers coming at me. And I was like, I'm just I'm just trying to turn on a generator, man. Come on. And you're talking about in the ba- in the hotel basement? Yes. That was like jump scary. That is the scariest part of the game, I think. So, so if, if you're I already through that, through that I, and I'm good. I well, I wouldn't say I mean saying you're good is that's maybe an overstatement, but when I think of being scared playing this game, that is the number one thing I think of every single time. Is you're in that hall that hotel basement, you have to turn that generator on. Uh, the clickers are coming after you. That big, that big daddy guy, the big boomer, boomer man. I was so sweaty. Uh, they come oh, out of nowhere gosh, too. Scene. Like I had thought that I had cleared the building, like the area, right? I like I did that first. I knew I had to turn the generator on, and I was like, "That is gonna Doesn't be noisy. Matter. I am going to clear the area." And then they were like falling from the sky into the water, and then coming at me, and I was just like, "I am. I was not expecting this. I was not." So, yeah, it, it's a very tense experience. I don't really love scary stuff, but I am working my way through it. The way that I play games typically is I try to be stealthy and then it fails and I end up having to shoot everybody. And while there has been limited ammo, I haven't found myself like SOL yet. I've gotten pretty close in some scenarios yeah. where I'm like, this could not end well, but I managed to make it through. Yeah. I think they do enough just to like, they give you just enough ammo where you're like constantly afraid of running out, but you never actually do, which I think is pretty clutch. I was about, I was about to say that. I, I, I think the game has a very good way. I don't know how they do it, but they, they set that balance for you. So like never, they never want you to be comfortable playing that game and you never are like very rarely do you feel fully supplied with everything that you need. And I, I also think maybe because we have similar play styles, but also I like what you said about like you try to stealth to a certain point and then all hell break. Like what what typically happened for me is I would manage to stealth kill like in a given area, a third to like half maybe of the zombies. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, my pinky toe brushes a bottle or something and they all swarm on me and then I'm just shooting, I'm just shooting stuff. It's a balance. Again, it's like, you're, I don't think you're ever going to get through the game doing any one thing like any you're not going to just go full stealth through the whole thing you're not going to go full guns blazing through the whole thing they strike that balance well and also i did look up the plot summary and it looks like you are about halfway through okay sorry why does no one believe me but like they do tell you in the beginning of the game they're like oh you can stealth your way and avoid conflict completely so it's like i have to do that because you know that's just how i am and uh it it hasn't worked out so far but i also I think one of the things that I also really like is the storytelling and not just necessarily in, you know, the character interactions, because I think the character interactions are really great, but also the things that you pick up and the collectibles and the way that, you know, you pick up a note and you kind of get this little glimmer or snapshot into what was happening and how the world became what it became. Because like you have ideas and like you kind of get some information, but it's just like you pick up scraps of paper here and there. And it's not like other games then. Like I know there are other games where you pick up a codex entry and then it's like this five page thing you have to sit there and read. And 
And they've managed to distill down collectibles and readable things that give you context to the story without making it super cumbersome. So you don't mind going in and reading stuff because it's going to take you five seconds, but you're going to learn a lot in that five seconds. And I think that's really brilliant. Something that they do well like you mentioned like codex is a great word for it because there's games that have codexes that are like here's a codex all right i'll put it on my pile of 100 that i have not looked at at all (laughs) like i i think the last of us there are fewer of those there's still enough to make it a rich story world but like there's fewer of them that they it feels a little bit more manageable to to approach them and the other thing i will mention about it is i don't well i don't know for sure if the first one does it to the extent of the second one but and i'm sure that this is not an uncommon thing for a video game to do but if you pay attention to those they will reward you on occasion with like you will pick up something that looks like a note or some scrap something oh yeah and it's like it helps you and there's like here's a code to a safe somewhere well yeah there's that but it's also like here's a code to a safe somewhere that you would not otherwise know that has like a bunch of good stuff in it like there's you know it's it keeps you wired in and involved well i think it even like there's a part of the story where uh, this is early on but and and they kind of prompt you to explore the house but you're basically being escorted through a town by a character called bill if you haven't played the game and will be played by nick offerman in the show by the way oh that's an awesome casting just headset yeah But basically, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a note that you find that then I feel like if you didn't find that, you obviously wouldn't have the conversation with the character shortly after you find the note. And I just think things like that, it's pretty neat. And it's a way to differentiate. Like, this is a very linear game. You're not really going off the beaten path at all. Like, you are moving forward. Right. And there's puzzles and there's really only one way to solve them. But I think having stuff like that, where if you choose to explore a little bit more, you know, you'll just unlock a little bit more than someone who decided not to do that on their playthrough. And I think it's very neat. Yep. And I feel like I'm waxing yeah. poetic it's, about this game that everybody realizes is a very good game, but yeah, it's it's good. And I'm also for context, I'm playing the remastered version but not like the remake. So, there's that new like right, $70 remake. One. That's not the one I'm playing. I'm playing the remaster that came out on the PS4 late in the PS4 gen, I think. Yep. Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm so excited for you because the things that I think you're going to respond to the most positively, which are the ma- like you've already experienced a couple of major story beats, but what co- what's coming in the back half of the game for you and knowing now and remembering more where you are, there are some powerful story beats to come. And that's, that's what people like people talk about the game. They, they do talk about all these things and, and how well it's engineered and how the game place flows and how you're it going to hate the next section. Things. You are going to hate the next section. Does a dog <laughs> that was die? definitely true. No, no. Swear uh, if a dog dies, don't, I will... don't, I'm not going to tell you, but you're going to hate it. We won't get into details. The combat but mechanics it's... become tougher. Oh, do you become combat Ellie at tougher. some point? Is it going to Spider-Man me where I hated being MJ? Please don't do that. The st- again, the story. Like everyone talks about the story of this game. They 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 talk about the things we've talked about. Sure, but like the lasting impression that has kept this game talked about for however many years, and they're, they're making remaster after remaster of it. Is I mean, in particular, the ending, which I and I obviously can't tell you about, but like just keep going is the one thing i and it sounds like you're going to that's not there's not much risk but like keep going because it, it pays off quite a bit i'm so happy that you're doing this yeah congratulations it's been a long time coming that said though you know i think you would probably enjoy god of war and i know we've been down this road before but in terms of the storytelling it is pretty similar no obviously not the same story not the same setting but the manner in which like there's attention to detail, the fully fleshed out story. You're learning things in this very linear world as you go. Obviously, I have both Sony Studios too, but I think you would probably enjoy it. 
more than you think. And it's probably fair play for me to at least try it, considering what what you're you're conquering fears right now. Yeah, literally, like I was like, am I going to have to pause this and go poop because am I going to be that scared? And so far, I have not had to do that, but uh, it's come close. That hotel basement. You have not had to pause it or you have not had to poop? Both. The hotel basement was bad. I'm pretty sure it's like right away. I'm like, I'm playing this game and I'm like, this isn't so bad. And then I think it's when you're in the town with Bill, but I could be wrong. There's a part where you get trapped in a high school gym. Do you remember this part? Yep. With the <laughs> big I remember, guy. I remember, with the big guy. And I was like, I was like, damn, this is, I, I can't remember if it was, I'm scared or this is really hard, but I was just like, I remember just being like kind of floored in some way by that experience. Uh, what a game. If you haven't played it yet. I feel like it. I remembered finding like a cheat where like he couldn't get me and I was just able to just knock him out. I don't remember that one being very difficult i just remember like finding the coolest it took me it took me a couple of tries that much i can i can say definitively as someone who literally just played it a few days ago i did find tactics hack where you basically run around in a circle around like a i don't know if it was a pole or a car or something that was in the the gym and then he because his big thing which i did not understand and i died a few times before i realized he gets like remotely close to you and you're dead and I was just like, okay, I got to keep my distance. Yeah. And then I just like kept it. just like pounds you. Yeah. It's a great game. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Good stuff. Congratulations. And like, it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like it's, you deserve to be congratulated. It came out in 2014 originally. And the fact that it still holds up almost 10 years later, that's pretty solid. I mean, game mechanics change so drastically over the years. And the fact like there are some aspects where I feel like it can be a little clunky, but not terrible, you know? 2013, by the way. 2013 i have the wikipedia up yeah the review the remaster came out in 2014 so actually you were right but the original 2013 keep going it's exciting i will i'll Is let you all know time? i was informed that i won last week and uh i hope that's, that's the very case possible i made the quiz so uh yeah i don't really remember anything so i, I it probably was you in fact it was you i'm looking now because you are 11 and 9 technic is 11 and 10 i am 9 and 15 uh steven 2 and 1 so it's a dead heat in a sense, not really. I'm kind of back, but you guys are fighting tooth and nail. So, Nerd Bomber, I will do my best to beat Tactic and keep you atop the rankings. I appreciate that. So, sure. We just talked about a scary game for like a solid 10 minutes. We're going to talk about more scary games. This trivia is all about Resident Evil. Very fitting for spooky season. As always, Price is Right style here. Try to get as close to the numerical answer as you can without going over or you bust and you don't get any points. And we will let Tactic go first. So Illegal has a little bit of an advantage because he's the loser, the perennial loser. So the first question, how many copies of the original Resident Evil game were sold for the OG PlayStation? This was 88,000 copies. It's more than that. 140,000. You had a lot of room to up it. You did win this one. It sold 2.75 million copies. I didn't want to do do a plus one thing. I didn't want to do a Splatoon. (laughs) Where we oversell them and were sold. That's fair. I forgot about that. Okay, I'm on the board. You know, Resident Evil goes beyond the games. There are many movies that have been made. How many Resident Evil movies are there? And by many, that's just a qualifier to say more than one. Five. Six. Tactic has officially used his plus one to great effect. There are a total of seven movies, one of which Ah. was a reboot of the original series, of which there were six entries, and they collectively grossed over $1.2 billion. Well, hey, you know what? We were were really, really close. Both of us. Yeah. Good plus one, Tactic. Speaking of close, now the game is tied. It is as 
close as you can get, very neck and neck. Speaking of, you know, other content adaptations, there were also novel adaptations of the Resident Evil series. How many novels have been written? I don't know why I have this like weird game show announcer voice, but I do. So 13. Uh, 14. Now, Illegal has used his plus one to great effect. There have been 21 novelizations. Many different authors. I think there were a total of like, there was one series by one guy that had like a bunch of books, another series by another guy that had a bunch of books, and then a bunch of one-offs by other people. So a lot of books out there. If you're interested in Resident Evil lore, you have 21 novels to read. This is a championship duel right now. It's very back and forth. Yeah. So Resident Evil is not always known for its stellar writing. At one point, it was actually awarded a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records for the worst game dialogue. In what year did it earn that honor? This was in 2003. I remember this. It was later than that. I'm going to say 2010. We have our first busty bust of the game. It was actually inducted into the Guinness Book of World Records in 2008, so Illegal has busted and Tectic gets it. That's a busty bust right there. That hurts. So we're tied now. It is officially tied. And this is the final question. So whoever gets this right, unless you both bust, is the official winner of Resident Evil Trivia. So using an aggregate of all of the how long to beat times, approximately how long would it take to beat the main campaigns of all Resident Evil games, including all spinoffs and remakes in hours? 142 hours. No thoughts, just just go. That's my, yeah. Tectic is taking a different strategy. He has whipped out his calculator. Otherwise known as the Tectic strategy. This is a weekly thing. That's a strong guess. It's a really strong guess. Thank you. Thank you. Keep in mind, you already used your plus one. I know. Today, Tactic. 168. Tactic takes it home. 186 and a half hours is how long it would take to play through all of the main campaigns. I know that was kind of close to yours, but my math said that number. I don't have a problem with it. If only because I'm used to being here. I dropped to 9 and 16. Tactic to 12 and 10. Uh, Nerd Bomber I tried, but I mean, you should have you should have had low expectations for, for my performance. So mathematically, I believe Tactic is now back in front, but if we're doing percentages, I'd have to do like actual math for that. And I'm not going to do that right now. So you'll have to deal with it. Next week, I will be actually not here. <laughs> so the quiz may go on hiatus for a bit, but I will be back to, I don't know, try harder next time. I don't even know what to say. Keep trying. Keep trying to improve myself. In the meantime, we thank you all for listening. Liked anything you heard, or if you didn't like anything you heard, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, hit us up on Twitter, at OWLeo86, at OWTactic, at OWNerdBomber, and our main show account, at OnlineWarriors1. And uh, yeah, I'll let Tactic take you all out with a tech tip. Just remember to be chill, because even at rush hour, none of the cars are moving. Have a good week, everyone.